Welcome to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. Stay tuned for this week's message. Amen. Father, I thank you. God, that you're in this place this morning. Father, I thank you for what you've done for us. God, I thank you that you are faithful. You are full of grace and mercy. God, this morning I would ask that your Holy Spirit would come. Administer, God, that hearts are open, hearts are ready to receive this morning. God, not simply what I would speak, but what you would impart to your people, God. Father, we love you. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, one more time, church. Let's give a praise this morning. Thank you, worship team. You're amazing. You may be seated, everyone. Come on. You're here. You made it. Yeah. Who cares about the Noosa try? <laughs> because you're here, you're going to have it first. You're committed. I love it. Yeah, come on. That's great. Hey, well, so good to be here this morning. I'm really looking forward to bringing a word. I know it's been a while, but I feel that this word is a word that's been in progress on the inside of me for some time. And I believe it's very relevant given, I would say, the state of our community right now, our nation, and even really the world at, at large. Because the truth is, we are living in unprecedented times, right? I, I feel that there are times that are very unique and significant when we consider the Christian faith, yeah. when we consider what the Bible tells us about, you know, the last days, if you will. And so when I stop, and I just take a minute to step back and observe and take stock of what's going on, I think what I'm seeing is... A world that is wrestling, and people that are wrestling, wrestling with so much uncertainty, wrestling with so much fear, wrestling with so much doubt, right? There just seems to be so many unanswered questions out there, and, and what I think is people really are just looking for something or somebody to give them guidance. Yeah. They are looking for someone that can offer surety again and comfort in their lives, and if I had to give it to you in summary, I'd say it like this. Today, I think that we are a people and a nation that are trying to find our way forward, or trying to move forward whilst being bombarded with just so many voices. We're trying to find our way forward through just a whole lot of noise, right? And, you know, I believe that it is a time when the enemy is just getting louder. And, and I think that his purpose and his mission and his tactics are being executed with a whole lot of focus yeah. and a whole lot of intentionality. Yeah. What that means then for us as a church and as believers, we have a mandate. And we have a divine calling to actually respond. Amen. We as a church and believers have a mandate to stand up and counter that voice. Yeah. To stand up and meet head on whatever that purpose is and that mission and his tactics, right? But I think in order for us to do that, we first have to be very clear about what voice are we listening to as a church. What is God wanting to say to us right now in these times? And how do we know for sure unless we learn to discern the divine from distraction? Right. So the title of my message this morning is this, Push Out the Noise. Push Out the Noise. If you have your Bibles, I want you to come with me to the book of Matthew. And I want to read you a story that we find in chapter 9. We're going to kick off in verse 18. It says this, Whilst he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died, 
but come and lay your hand on her and she will live. So Jesus arose and followed him. So did his disciples, down in verse 23, when Jesus came into the ruler's house, saw the flute players and the noisy crowd wailing, he said to them, make room, for this girl is not dead but sleeping. And they ridiculed him, but when the crowd was put outside, he went in, took her by the hand, and the girl arose. And the report of this went out into all the land. So what do we have here? We have a ruler, a man of great influence and authority. His daughter has just died, and so he's come on mission to find Jesus. We know he finds Jesus. He places himself in this position of humility, and he manages to convince Jesus, come back into his home, in order that he would do a miracle and bring his daughter back to life. In other words, what we see here is this man outworking a kind of faith, right? The reality was for him, as far as he could see, his daughter had just died. Little daughter, she's dead. There's no movement, nothing. She's dead. But instead of mourning and weeping and entering into that a lot of time that the Jewish people had to mourn when their loved ones died, he kind of went, hang on a second. This is heartbreaking. I don't know what to do about it. But in that moment, something stirred in him and he went, but hang on a moment, I know and I've heard of this teacher and this rabbi that's been teaching in our town, he's been moving from community to community, and I've heard that he actually has power, that he has this ability to heal people, that he has this ability to restore people that potentially are lame and cannot see, are blind. He, even the demons I've heard fear him and obey him and will listen to what he has to say. So if I can just find this teacher find this rabbi, perhaps I can convince him to come back into my home and he can raise my daughter back to life. If I can just find him and get him to come back with me, I know Jesus could do this. And so we know that Jesus ends up coming back to this ruler's home. And when he arrives, what does he find? He finds a house full of noise. People are crying, people are wailing, the, you know, the, the funeral music has already started. And I would dare say that if you and I had, in that moment, been invited into that home, having seen that little lifeless body on her bed, having our senses really saturated by everything that's going on, there's no doubt you and I would probably want to extend our deepest condolences to that ruler, right? I kind of, it's like a no-brainer. No what we can see and understand is that that is a very sad, sad day in this man's life. But this is why I love Jesus, right? And you should too. Because he's just one cool cat, right? He comes upon the scene. What's the first, you know, it's all going on. Jesus rocks up. What's the first thing he does? Well, the first thing he doesn't do is allow the emotion of the moment to dictate how he's going to respond. He doesn't allow the voices of the circumstance to tell him, you know, how he's going to respond to what's going on, right? So the first thing Jesus does, he turns up and he says, guys, I want you to make some room. I want you to get out of my way. I want you to stop suffocating the atmosphere and this girl. Jesus tells the people to make some room, and then almost immediately he begins to speak truth into the situation. He begins to, to bring divine revelation into a pretty bad circumstance. These guys, I get what's going on here, but you've got to understand, this little girl, she's not dead, she's just sleeping. Now naturally what happens, those voices in the world, those voices in our circumstances, begin to push back on divine truth. Yeah. And they begin to ridicule him. And this is why I love Jesus, ever so cool and calm, standing his ground, goes, you know what? Forget about making room. I just want you guys to get out. <laughs> get out of the house. In fact, what I want you to do is get out, and when I go in, I want you to close the door behind me. Wow. 
Why did Jesus need to do that? Because what the crowd didn't realize was in a minute, he was going to do something supernatural in that moment, right? Jesus knew that he needed room because in a minute, that little girl's going to get up and she's going to start walking around. Amen? So there's three things I want you to understand about the story. Quite simply, the first thing is this. The devil is the noisiest neighbor you will ever have. Right? <laughs> Who's ever had the privilege of living next door to a noisy neighbor? All you want to do is sleep. They just want to party. Right? Many, many years ago, Angie and I had the privilege of living in a duplex. And we shared the duplex with none other than four young fly-in, fly-out miners. So who knows, on the week that the miners were home, all they wanted to do, cashed up, they wanted to just party. So we would regularly, I would regularly be woken up in the wee hours of the morning with my head literally bouncing on my pillow because they turned up the bass and their sound system to about death content. And we were brand new parents. So I can tell you that it wasn't a pretty situation. Brother, here's the thing. The devil wants to continually saturate your life and your mind with noise. Right, with voices that reside in the spirit of this age and this time, continually telling you think there's no hope, right? Things are never gonna get get better, there's no breakthrough. It's noise that continually wants to condition us to believe that there's just no answers out there, that life will never get better, right? There's no breakthrough, there's no grace, maybe not enough mercy, not enough love to go around for us to actually make it. In this life we've been called to live, right? This noise is turned up where? In our minds, right? And what it does is it leads us into this place where we can become quite disorientated and quite disillusioned over time as to what it is that we should be believing. What it is, who it is that we should be listening to. And that voice can come from many different places in our life. From hurts, from disappointments, just bad experiences even overachieving in and of ourselves. But I want you to understand what these voices do is so often just want us to accept defeat and take a, a, a position of submission in life where there's just no victory. And most importantly, they want to drown out the one voice that you and I need to be listening to, and that's the voice of the Holy Spirit, yeah. right? And for that very reason, we're told this in 2 Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ and being ready to punish all disobedience when obedience is fulfilled. As I said earlier, you know, to me it seems that the volume is turned right up at the moment in life. Fear, doubt, uncertainty, the news is loud, social media is loud. Right? So, for me, I go, people surely must be thinking, especially in Christian circles, is God really strong enough? Is God faithful enough that we can stand in these times and depend on Him? What is the church's voice? Do we have a voice? What is God speaking in these times? You see, and here's the deal. In this world, if I can't hear you, but I really need to understand what it is you're trying to tell me, what do I do? What do people usually do? They tell us to speak up, Right? Get louder. Yeah. If, if, you, if I need to get a message to you loud and clear, I've got to get in your face, and I've got to get up in your senses, so there's no confusing what it is I'm trying to tell you, right? Yeah. It's the loudest voice in my life gets my attention. Wow. Advertising companies know that. They've been relying on that for years. Yeah. 
But the thing is with God, he doesn't buy into that. He doesn't want to compete with the noise in your life to get your attention. Right? All God puts on the table is his still, small voice. A voice that we can only hear. A voice that we only lay a hold of when we are actively prepared to push out noise in our world. Push out voices in our world that aren't going to help us. And draw near. Very good. Make a decision to get close and lean in so we can hear what he has to say. And my thought process is, if the loudest voice wins, why doesn't God want to play the game? Because we know God in a minute could speak so loudly and clearly that we would have, we would not, we would know what God wants to tell us, right? But He doesn't choose to do that. He wants to keep that still small voice. Why? Because this for God is about relationship. He wants us to be in a position in our lives where we are close to Him, that we make the decision to draw close to Him, that we are right next to Him so He can lay hold of us and simply whisper His truth into our hearts and we receive it. It's about intimacy. God doesn't want to compete for voices in your life that keep you away from Him. He wants you to draw near to Him so He can begin to speak into your world that which He knows you need. Amen. And for me, I think there's only two options we can really take in life. One is we can choose to surrender to conformity, that we can choose to allow the voices and the noise in this world and this age to kind of carry us along in that current of, well, that's the popular thought belief process, that's what everyone's thinking, that's what we should do, everybody's doing it. Or, number two, we can choose to seek out transformation. We can choose to seek God above everything else, because why? Here's the deal. God's purpose for you is He's designed you specifically to pour out of your life His Spirit and His presence, that He has a calling on your life to be salt and light in someone else's world, and He wants you to live a life where you are equipped and you're living a life of abundance and peace. You know it is to be content in Christ. You overcome. That's His purpose for your life, and transformation really is about stepping into that. Transformation is a process by which we prove God is actually true to His Word. Right? It tells us that in Romans 12, 2. It says, And do not be conformed to what? To this world. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Where the voices, where the noise rages, right? That you may what? Prove what is that good and acceptable, perfect will of God. The second thing you don't understand about this story is that you need to be prepared to get up, get out. Turn to the person next to you and tell them to get up and get out. Don't. Don't don't do that. (laughs) Just slow to respond. We love you. Please stay. We're not finished just yet, right? You see, often we focus on the little girl in the story. Why? Because she is the center of the miracle. But I want to propose to you this morning, it's actually the actions of this father that help us understand how it is we start to combat noise combat those voices in our life. Why? Because here he is, a man who found himself in a situation where had he chosen to grieve, had he chosen to cry out, had he chosen to lament, no one could begrudge him for that. In fact, he could be excused for lifting up his voice and crying out. Crying out to God, I don't understand, I'm in depression, I don't know why this has happened to me. People can understand why. But something on the inside of him wasn't sitting right. Something on the inside of him about the death of his daughter just couldn't accept. Maybe, just maybe for this ruler, 
He thought, you know what? This situation sucks, but it doesn't have to be this way. I've heard of this rabbi. Maybe, just maybe, I can have a second chance with my little girl. Maybe I can invite a miracle into my life and things can be different. And I want to tell someone this morning, just because you've been told something, doesn't mean you have to agree with it. Just because it's popular consensus doesn't mean you have to accept it. Just because you've worn labels all your life doesn't mean they form the basis of who you are and your identity. Amen? Amen? So what does this ruler do? He gets up from a situation that he finds himself in and he excuses himself from those that are mourning, those that are weeping. He excuses himself from the funeral music that's playing. He gets up and he gets out of his home. And he makes the decision that he's going to head towards wherever Jesus is. No answers yet. Nothing's happened yet. No miracle yet. But here's the thing. In order for his circumstances to change, in order for things to shift in your life, you have to be prepared to do something. You have to be prepared to do something. I want you to hear me this morning. No matter how loud... The voices and noise in your world are right now telling you that things are done, telling you things are dead, your future's dead, your relationships are dead, kids ain't coming home, right? Your body's not getting better, provision's not on its way. No matter how real that is for you this morning, I want to tell you there's another frequency that you need to find, that you need to tune into. There's another voice that you need to start listening to. Amen? You see... What I love about this rule is he couldn't do anything in and of himself to change the situation. No matter how badly he wanted things to be different for his little girl, he couldn't do it in and on himself. And if there's nothing, right, there's nothing that we can do. This ruler's noise and voices in his world were telling him what? It's done. They, they were confirming to him, this is the situation. Your daughter's dead, so we're going to start mourning. The music's going to start playing. It's done, it's over. But I want to tell you this morning, it's not done, and it's not over. If you will make a decision to posture yourself in life and choose to get up from situations where everyone and everything might be saying it's over, and say, but hang on, I know someone who can change things in my life. I know someone that carries a higher authority in the word that he speaks. So because of that, I'm going to get up from where I am. I'm going to get out for a moment from where I am, and I'm going to lay hold of Jesus. Amen? You've got to make a choice. You've got to make a choice. And I was thinking the other day, you know what, instead of panicking, let's go to prayer. You might not be able to do anything about your situation right now, but you can pray. You can open your mouth and you can just call on, if that's all you can do, the name of Jesus. Rather than the daily pity party that sometimes we have for ourselves. We can go to praise. We can turn up the volume in the car or in the home, and even if it's for a moment, just lift our hands in worship. Why? Because He's worthy. Amen. Rather than worrying all the time, we can go to the Word of God. We know what people are telling us about a situation. We know what life tells us about a situation. But what does God say about your situation? What does the Word of God say? Find that truth and put it in front of you. And read it, and read it, and read it, and think about it, and then read it again, and think about it again, until it becomes truth on the inside of you. God is willing and waiting, but you and I have to make a choice by faith to get up and get out of where we find ourselves. For things to change in your life, we've got to start by doing something. 
You see, you've got to understand, Jesus responds to what? To faith. The Bible tells us, Hebrews 11, 6, But without faith it's impossible to please Him, for he who comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of those who what? Diligently seek Him. Not when it's convenient, not when life's going well, not because someone else expects me to, or things are bad, diligently, consistently, faithfully. God, you're my hope, you're my answer. I will seek you. So where does this rule of find Jesus? Doing what Jesus does. Teaching, preaching, ministering, right? Doing his miracles. But I want you to catch something here. Here is Jesus constantly in the lifetime of his ministry, surrounded by people, by crowds, hundreds, thousands of people following him. So I would imagine in his lifetime of ministry, he would have received hundreds and hundreds of of offers, invitations, people vying for his attention. Jesus, come into my home. Come, you've got to talk to someone. I want you to come and follow me. Jesus, we could just stop for a moment and come with me. Well, who knows? Jesus knew how to stay true to mission, yeah. true to the call that his father had placed on him. So I would think most of those times he would have refused. So my thought process is, well, what's so different about this ruler? Comes out of nowhere, finds Jesus. Postures himself before him, gives him the story, and Jesus goes, for you, I'll do it. For you, I'm going to come to your home. I believe for all the faces that Jesus was seeing that day, what he found was a man who had gotten up from heartbreak and disappointment and grief, not understanding, but making a decision and a choice just to, for a moment, leave what he could see was going on in this world to find an answer that he just had to go on his faith by. In other words, what he found was a man with a desperate faith that would get him out of his uncomfortable situations, do the hard yards to let hold of and find Jesus. And because of that, Jesus saw his faith and said, you know what, I'll come to your house. I'm going to come to your house. This man was prepared to do whatever it was going to take to find Jesus. Are we prepared to do whatever it's going to take to find Jesus and lay hold of him and hold on to him with everything that we have? This man was not prepared to accept what wasn't right in his life. So he was going to do something about it. You see, there's a difference between coming to Jesus, accepting, relying on, even finding comfort in our dysfunction and the sin in our lives and finding Jesus, coming to Jesus, Desperate for him to change us. Desperate for him to destroy the works of the enemy in our lives. You see, the former speaks about what? The crowd. The crowd mentality. It's people that are happy to follow Jesus because what? He's a good entertainer. He's different. He's doing miracles. He's speaking truth. He's he's putting on a good show. It's better than sitting at home doing nothing. I want to be with the crowd and I want to follow this man because he's entertaining me. But the latter speaks about what? People who saw the same Jesus but weren't prepared to let him simply pass them by because they had a conviction in their life that they desperately needed a touch from him. Why? Because they saw Jesus and understood this, that he was the only one, a savior. He was the only way that they could be saved from the condition that they were living with. I want to tell you this morning, this church, the time has come for the church to stop entertaining members, maybe with good music, comfortable messages, you know, sleep media. We have to remember as a church, what is the purpose for which we have been called? And I say that because we have been given a voice, commissioned by Jesus, 
to stand up and speak. And I would think never before has there been a need to do that than now. We know the truth. We know the way. And at the risk of maybe offending or getting people uncomfortable, the time is now to stand up and declare the name of Jesus. We cannot afford to ever be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why? Let me remind you, it's for that testimony. Most of us are sitting here this morning. Amen. We have a call and a commission on our life to stand up and speak truth. Amen. Amen. Now, I've purposefully left out another small story that we find is sandwiched in the big one we just read. And I want to read it to you now very quickly. It says this again, Matthew 9.18. While he spoke these things to them, behold, a ruler came and worshipped him, saying, My daughter has just died. Come and lay your hand on her, and she will live. So Jesus arose, followed him, and so did his disciples. And suddenly... A woman who had a flow of blood for 12 years came from behind, touched the hem of his garment. For she said to herself, if only I may touch his garment, I shall be made well. But Jesus turned around and when he saw her, he said, be of good cheer, daughter, your faith has made you well. And the woman was made well from that hour. You see, this story placed within another. I don't believe it's there by coincidence. I read this and I sense Jesus wanting to give us an example of what it means to find him and draw him in. See, a woman afflicted for years with a humiliating, degrading disease saw Jesus one day in the crowd passing her by and something on the inside of her got desperate enough to say to herself, I don't want to accept this anymore in my life. I'm tired of listening to the same voices, the same noise telling me you will never get better, you'll never get well. If anyone can change my circumstances, it's that man over there. This woman got, got so desperate in herself, she said, I will do whatever it takes to touch him. She didn't even want Jesus to speak to her, acknowledge her, pray for her, put his hands on her. If I can just quietly touch the hem of his garment, I know I can be made well. So what does she do? She gets on her hands and feet and she crawls through the crowd to reach him. How many people touched Jesus that day? How many people touched Jesus that day that needed a miracle? But how many people reached Jesus that day on their hands and their knees? I want you to hear me this morning. These stories are so significant. Two people interwoven in such a small span of verses. A, a woman struggling, drawing Jesus in. A ruler finds Jesus and draws him in. Why? Because they shared this. A desperate faith. A decision on the inside of them. They're not going to listen to the noise and the voices telling them what they can already see. But choosing rather to do whatever it takes to get up and get out and lay hold of Jesus. Amen. People with desperate faith get Jesus' attention. And I want you to understand the last thing as we come to close is this. Jesus is always ready, willing and waiting to reach into your life and touch you if you would reach out to him. With a desperate faith. Amen? With a desperate faith. You see, when Jesus came to the home of this ruler, it wasn't the ruler's voice that put the crowds on the outside that told him to give them room. It was Jesus. And I want to tell somebody here this morning, whatever it is that you're facing, like this ruler, like this woman with the issue of blood, there was nothing you can do to change it. You've tried. You've come at it from different angles. The mountain's not moving from your life. No matter what it is you try, bad relationships, finance troubles, your health, whatever it is, you can't change anything. But I want to tell you this morning, at His words, things change. 
Jesus was about to radically change these two characters' lives at His Word. I want you to hear me this morning. At Jesus' Word, when He comes into your life, He brings not just His presence, but His authority. And when He speaks, things move. When He speaks, mountains move. When He speaks, families are restored. Kids come home. Health is restored. Finance can be relieved. But at His Word, here's the thing though. You and I need to make a decision to draw near. You and I need to make a decision to invite him into our lives, whatever the cost. Are you desperate enough this morning to say, I understand what's going on around me, but I'm tired of listening to the same noise and the same voices telling me what I see. It's time to do something about it. I need to get desperate on the inside. I need to get up and get out and find Jesus and don't stop until I do. Amen. Amen. Matthew eleven twenty eight says this, come to me, come to me, all you who are heavy laden, who labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you, learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. You know, I believe the minute that ruler found himself at the feet of Jesus, Jesus had already made the decision that miracles coming to this man's house today. He saw the desperate faith in this man. The minute that woman's faith, the minute she touched the garment, her faith collided with the miracle worker and power. This is what I find interesting in that story. You know, Jesus couldn't do anything to stop the power coming out of him. It just happened. The minute she touched him, all he knew was, oh, hang on a second, power's gone out of me. Power's gone out of me. I want to tell you, when you make a decision in your life to worship through pain, to pray when nothing's happening, to keep praying for your kids regardless of what they're doing. To believe that God is for you and not against you regardless of what everyone else is telling you. When you're that person that doesn't give up on your faith. When you're the person that keeps pushing through. Your faith collides with the miracle worker. And that anointing power is released. That's just who Jesus is. That's just who Jesus is. But you and I have to make a choice. To draw near. To come near. Why don't we stand this morning as we come to a close? I want to ask you right now, what voices are you taking your lead from in life? What noise are you giving permission to fill your mind and fill your world? You know, and I think sometimes it's so easy for us to become complacent in our faith walk. It's so easy for us to take... Jesus a little bit for granted. Why? Because he's there. We get so comfortable knowing what we know, right? We know Jesus. We know God. He's there for us. He knows what I need. He knows me. We're good. We're like old friends, God. We're okay. But can I encourage you this morning, church? Don't ever take that relate. Don't ever settle for your relationship thinking you know what God knows. Don't ever become comfortable just thinking because I believe I'm okay. No, I want to encourage you, whatever it is, wherever you are, the time is now to get up, get out, and lay hold of Jesus, whatever the cost. Because if you do that, I promise you, he will respond. Jesus responds to faith. He's drawn in. We just close our eyes this morning. Thank you, Father. It's time, church. It's time for us to stand up and declare the name of Jesus in our communities, in our families. The time is now to lift up the name of Jesus. 
Whatever it is that's going on in your world, whatever the voices, whatever the noise, Jesus' voice is truth. Jesus' voice, at His word, He can set you free. At His word, He can release you. And as I was preparing this message this morning, I felt God say, there's a young woman here this morning. And I want to tell you more labels all your life. Labels that have been given to you unintentionally by well-meaning people. But you've carried them for so long, it's almost like you're wearing that label for so long you begin to think you're the brand. But you're not. And what I saw was God just wanted to come into your world and coming into your life and just slowly start on picking away those labels to show you who you really are created in Him, in His image. You are not who you think you are. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God has a plan and a purpose for your life and He's calling your daughter out of behind those labels that you've tried. But every time you start pulling at them, it really hurts. And it scares you as to what might lie underneath there. But I want to encourage you this morning, trust Him. Trust Him. He knows you. He loves you. He's got a purpose and a calling on your life. He's placed gifts on the inside of you to be used for His kingdom. But He wants to do some work on you. Father, I thank you this morning for your grace and your mercy. God, and I would pray this, that we would get desperate on the inside of us, that it would drive us to push past whatever obstacles stand in our way to lay hold of Jesus. God, let us be a church of desperate faith that we're prepared to stand and declare the name of Jesus regardless of what sits in front of us because He is the way and He is the truth and He is the life and by His blood we are saved. And so, Father, I thank You that as we come to You with desperate faith, God, as we push out the noise and the voices in our world, God, we allow Your presence in. I thank You that You would start to do the miraculous. God, I thank You for heaven opening over our families. Healing coming into our families. Provision coming into our families. God, I thank you that at your word, not ours, but at yours, we're going to be okay. Mountains are going to be moved. Restoration's coming. Dreams are coming. Answers are coming at your word. Father, we lift up the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening to the C3 Church Noosa podcast. For more life-changing messages, visit us online at c3noosa.com. If you've been blessed by this message, please consider partnering with us financially to see the work of God continue flourishing in and through C3 Church Noosa. God bless.